Let's take our Bibles this morning and uh, let's go to Jonah, all right? Jonah chapter 1 is where we'll be this morning. As many of you know by now, we've started this new study of this book together in the book of Jonah. And as we come to chapter number 1, I just want to forewarn you again. I don't know how far we'll get in this message this morning, unless you want to stay here until about 2 o'clock. Let's take a vote. Anybody want to stay here until 2 o'clock? One. All right, me and you, man. Me and you. We'll stay here until 2 o'clock. Everybody else gets to leave, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but we'll probably finish it this evening, okay? Just to warn you one more time on that, all right? But we'll find our place here in Jonah chapter, chapter 1. And again, as you come to Jonah, many people are familiar with what story? Jonah and the whale. Absolutely. And we're, we're, we're most of us are familiar with that story, Jonah and the whale. But understand, the book of Jonah is not just a story about a man who was swallowed by a great fish. It's not just a story about a man and a whale. As, as amazing and exciting and truthful that event uh, really is, understand there's much more to uncover and much more to see in this little book of Jonah. Much more to learn. Of course, we'll learn about Jonah. We're going to learn about, <clears throat> about Nineveh. But the greatest thing we're going to learn in this book together is the greatness of our great God. We're going to learn much about our Savior, much about our Lord, much about our God. We're going to learn of His great mercy and care. Uh, we're going to learn about His great power and love. We're going to learn about His great forgiveness and compassion. We're going to learn about the great second chances that He gives us even though we do not deserve them. Listen, there's much to learn about God in the book of Jonah. So just be reminded quickly one more time that the book of Jonah is more about Jehovah and his ways than it is about Jonah and the whale. All right? So please, keep that in mind. Maybe you want to put that at the, at the heading of, the, uh, of Jonah there. All right? Uh, just, just, just let it be known. This book is more about Jehovah than it is Jonah. Okay? But we're going to learn a lot. Now, as we began looking into this last, last Sunday morning, we noticed a few things. The first thing we noticed was this, that Jonah was given a commission from the Lord, and that commission was what, church? It starts with a G, ends with an O, and that is to go. Absolutely. God gave Jonah a commission to go. You can see that in verse 1 and verse 2. And we know in this commission that God gave to Jonah, Jonah was to leave the northern kingdom of Israel and go to Nineveh and preach to these people. Yes, these people were a wicked people, but they were still loved by our great God. Remember, we're learning more about God here than we are about Jonah and Nineveh. But they were loved by God. Yes, wicked, but still loved. But Jonah did not want to go, but yet he needed to simply, simply obey. He was to deliver the message that God had given to him. And it was a simple, clear, concise message. We know that. It was simply this. You can find it in Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 4. A five-second message consists of eight words. And Jonah would say this. Yet forty days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was his message. That's all that Jonah had to deliver to these people of Nineveh. And he was to simply go. And be reminded once again, we are too. As believers, as a church, we've been given a commission to go. Go to this world that, yes, is wicked. Go to this world that, yes, is lost. 
go this world that, yes, is contrary to the gospel, but yet still, we are to go with the gospel. We are to preach the word of God. We are to tell them of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We are to go as well. And we are to simply be obedient to this call and this commission, this command from Scripture to go. And so was Jonah. But as we came back Sunday evening, last Sunday evening we came back, we noticed that uh, as we finished that message, we noticed how Jonah did not obey the Lord. We saw how Jonah rather rebelled against the will of God and the word of God for his, for his life. We know that Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh and preach to them. Well, yes, they were brutal people. Maybe he was scared of them. Or maybe he being a prophet knowing that in 150 years, or rather, sorry, back up, uh, knowing soon that the wrath of God could fall upon these people, and he being a prophet knowing that possibly down the road it would be these very people that would uh, soon destroy and do great damage and harm to the people of Israel. He'd been a prophet of God. Could have known that. And so therefore, he being a great patriot too, didn't want nothing to do with it. Let the wrath of God fall upon these people. He didn't want to go. For whatever reason it may have been, we still know this. He rebelled against the will of God and the word of God for his life. And listen, Jonah. Jonah did not want to minister to these people. He'd rather them suffer the wrath of God. He himself would rather die than to serve these people. He rebelled against, against the Lord. You know, it's kind of interesting to me as I think of this rebellion, I begin to think, what does God do with that? I mean, how does God handle rebellion? I mean, it happens. Has anybody here ever rebelled against God's will and word in your life? Anybody? If not, I have. All right. I would say all of us have done at one point or another. We've rebelled uh, against the Lord. But how does He deal with a rebel? What happens to a person who rebels against the Lord? Someone who knows God's Word plainly, who knows the truth of God uh, correctly and plainly, but yet will not obey it. What happens to that person who willingly disregards what God says? What happens to that individual? How does God deal with it? And I'm not talking about someone who doesn't know the Lord. I'm talking about someone who does. I'm talking about somebody who knows God, who, who's saved, who's on their way to heaven, but yet disregards and willingly disregards God's Word and His will. How does God deal with that sort of individual and, as we would say, that person who rebels against God? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's what we're going to look at this morning, all right? If you're, have a, if you're taking notes, have a habit of that, you're taking notes, the title of the message this morning is simply this, When We Rebel. When We Rebel. All right, Jonah chapter 1, and uh, let's start in verse number, uh, verse number 3. Jonah had already gotten the word from the Lord to go to Nineveh, but look what happened. Verse number 3. But Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and said one to uh, every man unto his... Or, I'm sorry, let me back up. And cried every man to his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, old sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. 
And they said, One, every one to his fellow, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots. And the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. Verse 12. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to pass, but they could not. For the, bring it to land, but they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Our Father, I pray as we look to your word this, this morning, consider the subject of the rebellion of Jonah. That Lord, if there's one here that's, well, a rebellious child of God, that you would highlight that in their life and show them their need. Repent and turn and come back to God and do the will and work and obey the word of the Lord. We love you. Thanks for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Jonah, at this moment, he is rebelling against the Lord. But how does God deal with a rebel? All right, number one. Number one, here's what God does. Number one, God corrects. God corrects the rebel. All right, look again at verse number four, okay? Verse number four. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. This is a um, fantastic verse to me, especially the first three words. But the Lord. Say it with me. But the Lord. One more time. But the Lord. This right here is amazing. Understand Jonah was rebelling against the Lord. But the Lord. Jonah was attempting to run from the presence of God, but the Lord. Jonah was being a disobedient servant of God, disobedient prophet running, but the Lord. I want you to know something for me as I read these words. It's very precious words to me. It kind of highlights a promise, if you will, to me. But they're very precious to me, but the Lord. I want you this morning to allow these words to be a help to you. Allow these words, this phrase to be a comfort to you because they should comfort us this morning. They should comfort any parent or grandparent who may have a wayward child or grandchild, which that child, I'm talking about a child that knows God. It should comfort you knowing they may be away from the Lord, but the Lord. They may be out of God's will for their life, but the Lord. They may be in complete disobedience to God, disregard for His Word, but 
the Lord. These words should comfort each and every one of us. Why should they comfort us, preacher? I mean, it's just a phrase. It's just a phrase, just a few words. Why should they comfort us? Because I want you to understand something. These words are not just words. No, no, these are words of action. We, we see a lot of action from the very get-go out of, out of the book of Jonah. We really see that, don't we? We see how Jonah gets a call from the Lord, and he should have immediately ran to Nineveh, but yet we see him immediately running from that call and attempts to flee from the presence of the Lord, to run from God. And he pays the, the sailors the fare or the cost to get to the other side from as far as away from, from Nineveh as you possibly could, down to Tarshish. He pays for them to get into the ship to take them to the complete opposite end of the world, so to speak, from Nineveh. A lot of action taking place, a lot of running on the path of Jonah's part, but understand, as Jonah was running away from God, listen, the Lord was running to Jonah. But the Lord. It's absolutely amazing to me as I think of what's going on just in these first few verses. Because I want you to understand something. God will not leave us as believers alone in our rebellion against Him. Mark it down. He will bring conviction to us. He will correct us. He will. I like what Spurgeon said one time as I was reading him on this account. Uh, Spurgeon is, is said to say this, God never allows His children to sin successfully. We cannot sin and win. We cannot rebel and prevail. Alright, that's what that means. He's not going to allow us to sin successfully. No, God will correct us. And we'll take a little bit deeper dive in this correction as we come into chapter number 2 of Jonah. But for today, as we think of this point of God correcting a rebel, for today, the takeaway I want you to take and put in your pocket and try to grasp this truth today is this part of correction, all right? When God does correct us from time to time, please know He does so because He loves us. He does so out of love, and He does so because He wants to continue to use us. And it's absolutely, again, amazing for me to think about that, because when you do, uh, some of you, most of you raised your hand and said, yeah, I've rebelled against the Lord or against His Word. But when you think about your life during that time frame, and you think about yourself during that time frame, and you look at your rebellion, rebellious heart, and really how sinful and selfish we really can be, especially in those moments, we'd have to agree that sometimes we wouldn't love us in those moments, all right? I know I don't know everything about myself. The only person that knows everything about myself is God, right? But there's a few things I know about myself, and sometimes I don't like myself, all right? But especially in those moments, in those moments we would have to agree we're not very lovable in those rebellious times of life, rebellious conditions, and in those times we wouldn't want us back let alone love us during those times. But with that knowledge, God knows who we are, and in those moments, He still wants us back. He still loves us enough that He would chase us down and correct us. He actively pursues us, even in those moments and those times, to correct us. Why? Because He loves you. And because He wants to still use you. So understand, in love, He will correct us. Let me give you a wonderful verse on this, all right? 
If you want to, you can put it in the margin of your Bible there in Jonah chapter 1. But it's Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 11. It says this, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked, that's corrected, rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourge every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth? Chasteneth not. Listen, God does this. He corrects us. He chastens us. Why? Out of love. That's the key. Out of the heart of love, He will correct. He will chasten. He will rebuke. He does it out of a heart of love. Now, Many of you would say, yes, I understand that, but sometimes when God corrects me or has corrected me in the past, Pastor, I want to be honest with you, it didn't feel so mm, loving. It didn't feel so good. Well, you'd be honest in saying that. Sometimes in correction, it doesn't always feel good, doesn't always feel so loving. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who here, as a child, I'm talking to you adults, as a child, you were ever corrected by your parents or grandparents? Can I see your hand? As most of us, all right, some of you never got any correction. Thank you for visiting with us from heaven, amen, all right. I would say most of us got some, some form or type of correction as a child in, in, our, in our life. Uh, let me ask you this, who here had the great privilege of ever picking out your own switch? Oh yeah, my grandmother loved doing that. It's a form of torture, all right. In uh, two different forms, first one is you've got to pick it out. You've got to pick out the right one. If it's a wrong one, you get switched by the, by the wrong one. Then you've got to pick out the right one, then you get switched by the right one. So you just go get it over with, get the right one, all right? Who here ever had the privilege of getting corrected by a wooden spoon? Oh, yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, we've all endured that type of correction. And uh, though our parents and grandparents, well, I would say most of the time, would do so, correct, out of, out of love, sometimes it didn't feel so loving. It didn't feel so good. And again, the, the Hebrew, uh, writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews 12, 11, Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. And it's interesting, that word grievous here, it means it gives off the impression, kind of meaning of great pain that can produce sorrow. And if you've ever endured the switch or the spoon, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, It can produce some pain. This is what correction can do as well. It can be painful. And let's just be honest, sometimes when we rebel against God and His Word and His will, sometimes we need that. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor, are you saying we need some pain in our life every now and then? Well, I'm saying this, that some of God's pig-headed, hard-headed, stiff-necked, rebellious children, yeah, we would. Put myself in that lump, all right? We do from time to time need, need that. Why? Because we can get so stubborn that we will not respond to the verbal instruction that we find in the Word of God. We will not give heed to the logic that is given to us in the Word of God. And by the way, that's kind of the, the idea behind the word chasteneth in Hebrews 12, 6 that I read for you just a moment ago when it says, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. Uh, this, this word kind of means it gives off to chastise with words, to correct with words, to instruct with words. So, chasteneth is simple. It's an instruction of an individual or of a parent or a grandparent that is given with words and logic. Meaning this, 
If you do this, then this will happen. If you touch a hot stove, then you will get burned. Therefore, those words of instruction and logic would tell you not to touch the hot stove because you will get burned. But, whoever listens to those instructions, right? No, no, no. you got to touch the stove to see if, well, if mom's actually right. If dad's actually right. Why? Because, well, bless your heart, you're a rebel. That's why. You don't respond to instruction. You don't respond to logic. So rather, you know what you will respond to? You respond to pain. Now, if you're a police officer in here, you're a cop in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. As you deal with a combative subject, all right? Now, let's just say that individual, you, you, you get them and you, you, uh, you have them there at, uh, uh, in front of you and you ask the individual kindly to put their hands behind their back and to get on the ground. And let's say that said subject in their sweet, kindly and always very respectful way, says no. Then that officer or deputy proceeds to kindly remind them that if they do not comply with the demands, then that subject, well, they will feel the lightning or get tased, all right? Uh, So that's what happens many times in that moment. You see, the officer and deputy try to use logic and instruction with their words, but the combative, rebellious subject would not respond to said words or logic, and so you know what they did respond to? Pain. <laughs> Absolutely. Respond to pain. The same is, is for us. Now, as I just said that, I'm just kind of reminding myself here, I'm not telling you it's okay to go tase people. All right? It's not what I'm saying. All right? So, if you're not going to listen, pastors, I could tase you and talk to your children, right? Because right, you're not listening, you're getting tased, you're going you're to respond to pain if you're going to respond to logic. Anyway, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But sometimes for us, it's the same. When we don't listen to the logic and the correction of the Holy Spirit in our life, that conviction, if we're not going to respond to that or the logic and reasoning and truth of Scripture, then you know what happens sometimes? Pain. And the vast majority, we will respond to the pain of correction. Again, I got a little ahead of myself here, but because we'll see more of this next, next Sunday. We'll see more of this as we see that Jonah himself endures the pain of correction, because he even said, listen, he said he was in the belly of hell, Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. I can imagine what that felt like. I mean, he was in the belly of the whale, and the gastric juice is beginning to dissolve the flesh of Jonah. I can imagine it would be hot in there. He called it the belly of hell. But Jonah understand, he knew the pain of correction, but for today, what I want you to understand And what I want you to take away for today is this. God does correct us. But when He does, it's always out of love. It's not because He's mad at you and hates you and wants wants you to hurt and suffer. No, no, no. No. No, it's always out of love. Because He loves you. He wants to continue using you. He wants to be on the right path, the right way. And so therefore, He will correct us just as any loving parent, loving father would do for their child. Correction, listen, it doesn't feel loving, but always remember, always remember, it is from a heart of love. Never, ever, ever, ever forget that. So what does God do with a rebel? Well, He corrects us. And then what, is, what happens when we, when we rebel? Well, we see this, number two. There can be 
collateral damage. There can be collateral damage. Look at verse number 5. The demariners were afraid and cried one and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, old sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Notice the last phrase there in, this, in this, por- this point here. It says this, that we perish not. In this moment, we see that Jonah was rebelling. And in his rebelling, the Lord was beginning to correct him because the Lord sent a wind, sent a storm for his sake. But in order to correct him, he sent this storm. And this mighty tempest was a terrible storm, something these very uh, seasoned sailors were not ready for or even accustomed to. Two. But nonetheless, it still didn't just affect Jonah, it also affected these others as well. Yet it would seem in this moment that Jonah, even in his rebellion, get it. He didn't care. He didn't care who this was affecting. Again, look at verse number 5. Then the mariners were afraid, cried everyone to his God, cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast, what's the last word? Fast asleep. Verse number 6. So the shipmaster came unto him and said unto him, Why, or what meanest thou, O, what's that word? O, sleeper. Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. It would seem as John was sleeping during this storm where others that were very seasoned sailors were freaking out, Jonah was asleep. And this wasn't just any type of sleep where you would be asleep in the will of God because we know he was definitely out of the will of God. No, no. This type of sleep was, I don't care. I don't care. And I'm reminded that a rebel, listen, doesn't really care about the effects of his actions Because all he cares about in this moment is about himself. Jonah, he did not care about the sailors. He just wanted to get as far away from Nineveh and from the will of God for his life at any cost. He did not care. And a rebel and rebellion in our life, listen, it doesn't just affect us though. There can be collateral damage. And that absolutely happened. In the life of Jonah here, the life of these men, the life of their boat. So what we'll see, as we consider the collateral damage here of Jonah is running from God, his rebellion, we'll see that it affected their stuff and it affected these sailors. You just never know, listen, you just never know how far, how far-reaching that rebellion and disobedience to God and disobedience to God's Word, how far that can go. How far-reaching it'll have. Those effects will have. It doesn't just affect you. No. Never. No, never, ever. Far more reaching effects than you ever imagined. For years to come. For years to come. But do you think Jonah thought of that? No way. He didn't care. He didn't care. All he thought about was, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to Nineveh at any cost. Whatever it costs me, I don't care. It's a sad life to live. 
That's a sad life for any believer to live that way as well. As they rebel against the Lord, rebel against God's Word, to live as if, I don't care what happens. What happens to my stuff? What happens to my family? I don't, I don't care. Because you know the only person that a rebel cares about? These three people. Me, myself, and I. That's it. That's it. There's great collateral damage that Jonah never could see. And the same for us. As we think it on our life, if we ever rebel against the Lord, you don't see it down the road. But it could happen. And this evening, we'll see more of that. We'll see more of the collateral damage that happened in the life of Jonah. We'll see that his rebellion would cause great confusion amongst these sailors. We'll see this rebellion was brought at a great cost. We'll also see there was also a choice in his life to continue or to repent. The same for us too. There's always a choice to continue down that destructive road or about face, 180. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. So I really don't know, I mean, as far as your walk with God this morning or if you're in rebellion at all against the Lord, I don't know. I don't know. I don't go calling up people and investigating their life to see where they're at in life in order to gum up a message. I don't do that. I just simply go verse by verse and chapter by chapter in the book that we're studying as God leads me. So I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. I don't know if you're a Jonah. You're running from God. I don't know. But if you are, can I encourage you this morning? Stop. Stop running. Stop running from God. Run to Him. He's trying to correct you. He'll continue. Because He loves you. and wants to continue using you. Run to Him, not from Him. You just never know that continued path where it will lead and what cost there will be for you, what collateral damage there could be on others. We don't know. So my admonition to you this morning is simply stop running from God. Turn to Him and run to Him this morning.